0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Geeking Cannabis. Today I'm here with Lisa Zwerner. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lisa. How are you?
1: Hi, Lillian. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Uh, We just finished off our term here at Cleveland School of Cannabis. Have a month off, so trying to enjoy that little break.
0: Yeah, just ended my endocannabinoid class and business class. It was a lot of fun. So yeah,
1: I'm glad you enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. So could you give a little introduction for us, for anyone Sure. Listening?
1: Sure. Um, well, I am the director of education here at the Columbus branch of Cleveland School for Cannabis. I've been here for a couple of, about a year and a half, and I started out as a faculty member. Uh, when I started, I uh, started out with teaching intro to extracts. And then I uh, moved into, as well as uh, extracts, the dispensary operations course. Uh, so I teach both of those. And then I've also uh, assisted and or been a part of writing new curriculums like the processing uh, course. And then both Nicole and I, um, who is in the Cleveland branch, I think you have interviewed, mm-hmm. She, we both tried to continuously enhance the curriculum with the numerous updates in the cannabis industry, you know, it's a constant evolving, changing curriculum.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause everything they're getting new research every single day. So it's like something that was true maybe a year ago is now totally different. Right. Or advanced mm-hmm.
1: advanced. Yeah. So, and this, even with extractions, they're just in the last two years, they've really, uh, you know, enhanced the extraction processes and you know, adding the nano emulsions and hydro extractions and, uh, you know, the different uh, advances in post-processing have, have been very interesting and exciting.
0: Yeah, so do you teach in-person or online?
1: I'm in a brick and mortar teacher. Um, I have, we did, I did the online when we were all shut down, you know, for COVID, mm-hmm. but I prefer the brick and mortar personally. And then on top of, uh, of my full-time job as the director, it's too hard for me to teach additional classes online. So, mm-hmm.
0: so what was your introduction to the cannabis industry itself?
1: Oh, um, well, as a lot of people of my generation, I'm a baby boomer. Um, you know, started out in high school, uh, someone's back garage or whatever, you know, was the mm-hmm. introduction Um, And I think that as I got older, and it was obviously still prohibited, but I just couldn't figure out why. And I think that for me was my my first introduction into the government might not always be right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I just did not understand the, the way they were treating the people that were you know, purchasing cannabis and things like that when it, it, it was on the same schedule as LSD and, and um, you know heroin. So it just didn't make any sense to me. Um, as I went through uh, my journey, I, you know, I was just like everybody else, just trying to find my cannabis. Um, and then I had, uh, as I got, as my children got older, and you know i i never really tried to have much in the house right because that was not cool back then Mm -hmm. so we went ahead and once our kids were grown and out of the house we had uh, some family members that were actually had a whole counter of prescription medications and they were very um they had a lot of side effects they were depressed with the fact that you know all the medicines they were taking, and they didn't feel the relief they should have. Mm-hmm. Um, which, but they did uh, note that cannabis seemed to work out of all the medications they were taking the best. So that's when I decided to learn how to grow, um, so that I would be able to help the family members as well as, you know, personally myself, uh, just be able to not have to to be able to create my own, right? Mm-hmm. So I did that for, um, I went down a rabbit hole for years of trying to teach myself because back then there wasn't any schools. There was a couple books on a back shelf you might be able to buy and they were so outdated, right? Because just like we were talking about with extractions, growing technologies had continuously changed. Mm -hmm. So um, I started getting involved on a social media networking sites that, Um, people were starting to share their ideas and their knowledge online. And so I kind of taught myself that way. But then I became, um, when I went down that rabbit hole, I started watching about extractions. I I started watching um, a program called Hash Church. And it was on every Sunday for four hours. And it was free education. I mean, it was back then it was, you know, uh, just, people in the West coast, people in Canada, you know, kind of uh, merging online and sharing the information they had learned over the years. So I uh, started watching that. And uh, then there was a Jamaica event that we, a lot of people were networking and went down to, and I was able to meet the guy that uh, had the Hash Church show. And we kind of formed a little bond um, and he made me the moderator of the show. And that helped me to um, get to know and network with a lot of the cannabis industry and learn at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it was the best of both worlds for me. Um, and I did that for five years, every Sunday for four hours. So it was a lot of education um, and a lot of networking. And it was, it's still on, to be mm-hmm. honest, it's still on, although it's not on every Sunday like it used to be. He's now got, you know, now that the, Canada has opened up um, and extraction is legal. It didn't used to be legal until this year. Um, He is able to, you know, have his own brand out there and and do those things. So he's not quite got the time he used to. And and so uh, you'll see it maybe twice a month now. Mm -hmm. And I still help moderate when I can. um, And, uh, you know, still (laughs) learn. I still learn to this day every time I go on that. So that's that's kind of where I started with this okay. and moved to Ohio and got into the Cleveland School of Canvas.
0: Nice. So where can people find um or tune in for that if they wanted to on the Sundays?
1: So if you go to Bubble Man's World, that's the name of the channel. Okay. Bubble Man is Marcus Richardson and he is uh also the inventor of the bubble bag. Bubble, bubblebags.com you know, they, um, he has owned that company since all the 90s. And he's also got the machines and everything. Um, you know, all the tools of the trade that you would need, he's got in his shop. And so, uh, and now he's part of um, a couple different companies in Canada, obviously, we'll like that.
0: Okay, cool. That's awesome. So you went on from this bubble man, helping out with that. And then how did you make your way into the school of cannabis then? Um,
1: I was not living in Ohio and I had just went through a divorce and my parents were older. I was the only child and decided, you know what, I better come back to Ohio, um, as they were aging. So I moved back here a few years ago, and I was trying to figure out a way to get into the industry. And I met, you know, I was like uh, do, applying for different things. But I, part of me really didn't want. I had done this for so long. I had grown. I had, I've, you know, I'd done the extraction. I, I, I also have my own strain on the market. But what we'll is it? That it's called Mama's Chili Bomb. It's on the Canadian market right now on the medicinal mm. shelves. It's been around for about three or four years, but, um, but anyway, um, so I, I started um, looking around in what I wanted to do and because I had done so many different things, I really didn't want to do growing anymore. Um, You know, I, I felt like, you know, you were going to start at the bottom and I really didn't want to do that. So I decided uh, I saw some, someone told me to come to the school. Um, They saw some ads that they were looking for teachers. So I did. And that's how I ended up as the extraction teacher and then, you know, progressed into the director.
0: So were you first part of the 2017 wave when they opened the school or did you come in after that?
1: No, Columbus didn't open until 2019.
0: 2019. Okay.
1: Right. So I started then and, um, and I've been here since I think it's September, 2019. And then I started as the director in January of 2020.
0: Nice. Yeah. So, so you have a podcast as well? Uh, no, I
1: don't have podcast. You don't? I, okay. No, I have a YouTube channel. Okay. That I have probably been fairly inactive with over the last six months. Um, the only thing I put on my YouTube channel now is a lot of times I'll download those green hours that we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, put them on my channel for anyone to be able to see. Okay. Um, and it just depends on who it is and if they're okay with that. You know what I mean? To mm-hmm. uh, put it out to the public. So I, I've been doing that. Um, you know, I kind of backed off of YouTube, to be honest, for about a year ago, just because they were doing so much censorship on cannabis. And I was afraid I was going to lose my channel. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I kind of backed off. But I do have some old interviews still that are left on there from back when I, before I started the school. And uh, I've met a lot of people along the way through, you know, networking and I like to do patient testimonials.
0: Okay. What is that? For me,
1: for me it just, it, it's an impact statement about how they, they had a de- debilitating condition and they were trying all the prescriptions and they finally tried cannabis and how it changed their life. And to me, that that testimony is better than anything else is mm-hmm. when you hear or see a patient's actual reaction and how quickly it changes, whether, you know, they're experiencing a seizure or, you know, cerebral palsy or MS or any of those things, you notice the difference immediately. Mm-hmm. And to me, that, that is the best testimonial for cannabis period, uh, when you can actually see the results in front of your eyes.
0: Yeah, I agree. So when I'm in these classes, I'm learning that there are a lot of positives to cannabis, but then I've also heard of some of the negatives and side effects. Like if you smoke too much, then you can get anxiety and depression. And what is your kind of take on that?
1: Well, I I do believe that the modulating effects are all it's let's blame terpenes on that, right? Mm Because terpenes really determine uh, how you're going to feel with cannabis. And so, you know, you, you kind of have to do your bioassay and and decide what terpenes work well for you and what you need to stay away from. Instead of saying, don't smoke sativa or don't smoke indica or just smoke indica at night. You know, it really is, it's, it's they, they have the same cannabinoids and, you know, it's the same varieties. It's all in what terpenes, so they need to, do a little research on what terpenes are doing that for them or giving them that effect and stay away from those terpenes. Mm -hmm. To me, that's, you know, yeah, you can smoke a lot, but if you're smoking a lot of the wrong terpenes, then you're going to get that bad effect or, you know, smoking too much of the same terpene that causes anxiety. Then of course you're going to get that anxiety. So you have to learn how to know what your body needs. And, um, and, and again, it's no secret, we all have to take a tolerance break once in a while, right? Um, so if, if you have somebody that's a daily smoker, and you know, they're, they're smoking three to five grams a day, eventually, that's the medicine is not going to work as well for them.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: they need to back off and, you know, uh, maybe add CBD, you know, do a few different things, um, and, and give their body a break. Because just like any other prescription, Um, out there, you build up tolerances in your body. So yeah, you do have to give yourself a little break from it. And, and you got to watch what terpenes affect you those ways. So you can try to uh, eliminate having so much anxiety with that much.
0: Yeah. And it takes about 30 days to lose your tolerance.
1: It does. And it takes about three days to get it back. So um, it's, you know, it's an ongoing process. Um, and I just, you know, but what you can also do is back off from three to five grams a day, right? Mm-hmm. You can, you know, you can still have a little bit and, and, and within a couple of days of backing off from the, the larger intake to a smaller intake, you're going to notice the effects immediately because every day that you have less and less, that small amount that you do take in, you'll notice that it affects you even more so it's, it, it really is just about, um, a balance, right. Mm-hmm. Making sure you have a balance and, and keeping your body in homeostasis. So you, 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 we talk about, you know, too much. So your body wants balance. So you have to make sure that you're not overdoing it. And, and just to achieve that recreational feeling, right. That We're talking about medicine here. So yeah, it can be abused.
0: Mm-hmm. So With the extraction side of it, they are able to extract just specific terpenes now, but when you're looking at the bottle of most medications, it doesn't have the terpenes on it. I mean, Cresco does a good job of labeling their terpenes, but what do you see the technology moving towards? Like, Do you think it's going to be more readily available for the packaging to have the specific terpenes on it?
1: Every dispensary should have a COA on hand. So if you don't see what you want to see on the bottle, ask them for the COA. Um, They're all supposed to have those on hand. So you should always be able to, no matter what the product is, uh, go to the dispensary and ask them for the certificate of analysis. They have all those on file and anything you want to see should be shown. And also ask your dispensary, hey, can you start, you know, at least putting it on the website? So Mm -hmm. if you you don't have room on your bottle, you could add it onto the website. We could go research before we come in what we're looking for.
0: Yeah. And I know that's something that's frustrating, at least for me, when I go to a dispensary and I'm asking the bud tender, like what kind of terpenes are in this cannabis? And she's telling me the effects or the cultivar mm-hmm. parents instead of what's actually in the cannabis that I'm asking her about.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a matter of training them as well to make sure they understand the importance of terpenes mm-hmm. and why they need to make sure they know what their high near strains or their high carry strains are gonna be. Um, you know, and, and I, I don't wanna put down, a, a, you know, a dispensary associate because you gotta remember, they're getting strains in every single week. And, you know, it's a constant rotation. So it's a lot of information to try to remember. So if, you know, the, the nice thing is that the dispensaries would start updating their websites Mm-hmm. Uh, so that all those COA information is on there, then even if the dispensary agent doesn't know, they can go right to their website and pull it up and say, well, we've got these three that are high in nercine, And we've got these three, you know, that have a lot of limonene in them. And of course the limonene is, it's what's probably causing that high anxiety. So those are the ones, you know, you want to stay away from, or have a lower count of limonene.
0: Okay. So with Pennsylvania, how they have their dispensary set up with having actual doctors in there in the dispensaries helping prescribe, do you think that should be the future of all uh, medical cannabis everywhere? Mm, um, hmm.
1: So I, I like the idea of being able to have someone on call. Um, but dispensary, you got to remember that they have to Full of profit, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And doctors and nurses cost quite a lot. Uh, so I don't think they would be able to hire all doctors and nurses and make a profit. Um, I think having one that is a consultant that they could work with um, for each dispensary, like, you know, have their own consultant
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, would be a good idea. But business wise, I just don't think that that's, you know, a possibility. What you see in Pennsylvania, a lot of it is that those um, doctors and pharmacists are part owners.
0: Okay. So So, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to ask do you think all recreational use is medical use? Because I've heard that quite frequently in my classes and videos and stuff.
1: No, I think recreation means recreation. Okay. Um, Adult use is different. I like, I don't even like the word recreation. I like Mm -hmm. adult use because we're all adults and, uh, you know, so whether you're using it for recreation or using it medicinally, you're an adult, Mm -hmm. so you should be able to use it, um, at your discretion. Right. Um, so I don't like the word recreational and I hope when we in Ohio get there, which we will, um, it's going to be called an adult use bill. Um, So, yeah, I do think there's a difference. And like I we were just talking about earlier abuse, right. Mm -hmm. And using it for medicine. So if you're using it for medicine, you know, you're, you're either getting the guidance from your dispensary associate or the doctor that referred you. And they're going to tell you, they're going to work with you and, and say, you know, back off, add more CBD. Let's add some myrcene or limonene. Whatever the effects are, they're going to work with you to um, give you some suggestions on trying different things. Uh, With recre, with the adult use or non-medicinal, they're really just looking for the effect, right? So it's just about how high THC content can I get, Um, and so you know that that's kind of the difference, in my opinion, is um, not really looking at the 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 terpenes, and the medicinal benefits, just looking at that THC content.
0: Okay. So
1: hmm.
0: I like that. I like using the adult use more than recreational because, I mean, in Illinois, it's uh, medical use and recreational use, but it... Mm -hmm it makes more sense to be adult use because we are adults and we should be able to say like, this is what my tolerance is. This is what's too much. And the other thing too, is that yes, you can use cannabis as recreational, but when you smoke too much of it, then it's not fun. And like, you can get a headache, you can get dizzy, you can get anxious, you can get depressed. So it's like, why would you smoke too much? Mm
1: -hmm. Everybody's tolerance is different too. Mm -hmm. So what make, why, what make you have a headache or you have those might not be the same for me um so you know i guess in your eyes somebody might be recreational but in their eyes it's just like no we're just we have a higher tolerance we've done it for a longer time and and i used to feel this way and and that's another thing i used to feel a specific way with cannabis um when i smoked it back in the day before we had all these other options and now i've learned uh you know, with edibles, tinctures, um, and then, you know, the different forms of smoking, the uh, smokables that are available, that I can change and modulate my uh, effects and not have to get that uh, immediate feeling, overwhelming feeling of euphoria. I can kind of balance it, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I've moved from that uh, looking for that euphoric. Mm-hmm. A getaway feeling to keeping myself balanced and maintained. And I just think that's a journey. You go on yourself, right? You, you figure out what is good and bad for you. And again, we're all different. So yeah.
0: Do you recommend keeping a journal? Because you said earlier that some people are like constantly consulting their doctor on like what terpenes work and what don't. But a lot of doctors aren't really into the cannabis industry and know a lot about it. And it's difficult when the bud tenders don't really know a lot about of their industry either. So like for someone who doesn't have a lot of resources, what do you recommend them doing in order to keep up with making sure what works for them and what doesn't?
1: Well, we do have in Ohio, we have a, a specific and I don't you know, like to sponsor any, anyone, but we do have a Green Harvest Health that actually does a lot of consulting, uh, even if you don't get the card from them, right? You can uh, go to them and they can really, really guide you in the right direction um, and, and even meet with you weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of doctors right now in Ohio that do that uh it's usually one and done once a year get your card and then you're on your own um and there's so many reasons behind that but we have we only have an hour on this podcast so we won't get into that part of it um but yeah i do i feel like um journals are important especially for the new user i don't necessarily think once you've been doing this for a while that you have to keep a journal um, but in the beginning, absolutely, because a lot of these people are going to have a new experience. And if it's a bad one, they may never come back to cannabis. So they need to, you know, if they write it down themselves and then, you know, maybe have a kind of a nasty feeling one day about something and write it down, then they can take it to their bud tender. I know I shouldn't even say bud tender, their dispensary associate, because there are no bud tenders in Ohio. Um, their dispensary associate, and they should be able to look at that and go, oh, okay, that was too much THC, or that was, uh, you know, um, taking the gummy with this or whatever. It just didn't work out. So it's not just helping the patient, it's helping the associate that they're working with so that, you know, they remember, because they see hundreds of people a week, so for them to be able to remember patient by patient what they did is very difficult. Mm-hmm. It's on top of the new products every week and new people coming in, you know. So bringing that journal into them is not only educating you but educating them, and it's going to help them give you the best choices. So it's a it's a win win in a new scenario. But I I don't always say you know once you kind of got it down that you need the journal, but definitely in the beginning.
0: Okay. So since you're growing for so long, I kind of wanted to ask about the terpenes because there are over like 200 terpenes in cannabis. And yet we focus on about eight to 10 of them in classes. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. like, how do you recommend with cultivation, getting specific terpenes to come out more than others that say, aren't typically in cannabis?
1: Part of it is non-detective. So when you get tested, there's, they say there's hundreds of terpenes out there but there's, it's such a minute amount, it's not detectable on a, like a GSMS type uh, testing machine, right? So mm-hmm. we know it's in there, uh, it's just so it's in minute amounts. So um, what cultivators do a lot of times is, you know, the environment is the biggest thing with terpenes. Um, you've got to make sure that your growing conditions are correct. It's not too hot, your lights aren't too close, You're not uh, stressing the plant out because what ends up happening is the glandular trichome head, which already has this like wax coating over it that protects the medicine inside that little head. So what happens is when you stress that uh, plant and or make it too hot, whatever the situation it's going to get stressed, it builds up a, a big thick wax coating around that glandular trichome head leaving less room for the terpenes and and THC, okay? Mm -hmm. So every time you stress that plant and it builds up that wax coating over top, it's less and less and less medicine. So yes, terpenes, definitely growing conditions and terpenes go hand in hand. Okay. Um, And if you don't have a good grower and, and and it goes not just from the growing, but also the curing because the curing part is one of the most important parts of terpene preservation so yeah you definitely have to have the right conditions you have to have the right humidity factor you've got to seal it in there so that the terpenes aren't going to evaporate so yes and then of course then you once you process it you've got terpene loss again if you're talking about extracting it into concentrates or whatever so um, you know there's different methods that we can go through that can recapture those terpenes and or, you know, using solventless type methods, uh, making sure that we, you know, preserve it all. But even in those processes, even in a rosin press or, you know, the the different types of uh, extractions, bubble hash, we lose more terpenes. We can do it wrong or we can um, overpress, overheat. um, And terpenes are, of course, evaporate or they're hydrophilic. So they're going to, and bubble hash, A lot of those are going to uh, dissolve in the water. So there's a lot of ways that we can lose our terpenes.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it makes it extracting into just the specific terpenes bottles that you can add to edibles very difficult.
1: Yes. Yeah. The best way is to do the fractionating extraction where they pull the terpenes first Mm -hmm. and then they go through and pull all the cannabinoids and then they can just add it all back in together at the end. And that way it's using the same terpene profile that the plant offers with the cannabinoids that it offers. So, so the, yeah, we've, we're advancing to the point now where um, you know, we're making individual cannabinoids now, minor cannabinoids and adding them to the major cannabinoids. We're doing so many different things now that um, I'm just excited to see with uh, the research that they're now gonna hopefully start doing in the US that we're going to, we're going to find out so much more than what, what we already need.
0: Mm-hmm. So do you think that the full spectrum effect is better than, um, or the full entourage is better than just isolating like CBN or CBG, CBD, having the THC and CBD mixed together?
1: I mean, depending on what you're looking for, but yeah, full spectrum is going to give you, uh, it's going to give you the closer um, ability to have that entourage effect than having these isolates, um, distillates, you know, things like that, um, because it's not giving you all the benefits that the plant has to offer. Um, you know, there's a lot of little, like you said, terpenes and things like that, that are in that plant that could get lost in the process of processing. So if you can, if you can um, have sp- full spectrum in your extraction process, then that, that is the best, in my opinion, the best that you can get. Now, it might not taste as good. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's, there's things about full spectrum too that people don't like. So, and it's harder because you know, sometimes the full spectrum is going to pull some of that chlorophyll and that doesn't taste very good. So there's all kinds of things, you know, and techniques that they're trying to improve upon.
0: Do you think it's possible to plant different plants next to the cannabis and like how mushrooms help with their underground tunnel system to um, give nutrients to different plants that are by each other. Do you think, say like lavender, if it was planted next to cannabis and there's mushrooms around, do you think the cannabis would be able to take the lavender terpenes and enhance its own terpenes? Do you think there's science behind that, that we don't know about? No, I know.
1: I do think there are complementary plants um, Mm -hmm. because just like you said, lavender has little, which is the same, it's the same exact, exact compound Mm -hmm. in lavender as in cannabis, just two different plants. So um, no, you can't like cross them and, and, or, you know, let allow that because they all have their own DNA structures. So they're going to produce what they produce, right. Based on their DNA, but there are complementary cannabis plants and there are non-complementary cannabis plants. So there are plants that you can uh, which, for example, I didn't know, like zucchini and um, eggplant, things like that, is a big no-no around cannabis. It's going to it, because they they tend to have more um, uh, powdery mildew uh, that they're susceptible to, and so if a cannabis plant is near that, it's also going to get the, can- the powdery mildew. So yeah, there's definitely good and bad plants, and so you and it, you can Google that. You can okay. just say you know plant plants that are complementary to um, cannabis, and you'll get a whole list of the different types that you know. A lot of them will use um, like when we're we're talking about in uh, organics, you know, they'll they'll use the uh, some not dandelions but clovers and things like that that do well uh, around cannabis. But yeah, you've got to got to do your homework.
0: Okay, awesome. So with CSC um, being very knowledgeable and being kind of the first school out um, out west, right? Or no, out east. Do you think that, or out west too, right? East? Well, right now
1: we're not out west, but we're the first state certified school east of Colorado is what okay. it is. Yeah, yeah, Do and you th- hopefully uh, federally
0: approved mm-hmm. soon. <laughs> Yeah, you guys are working on your um, accreditation right now, right?
1: Yes, and, and I, fact, I believe it's this month that they're going to, um, you know, completely put in their application. If if we get approved federally, we'd be the first college in, in the world to get it. Hmm. So that's saying something.
0: So how long do you think it'll take for the accreditation to go through?
1: Honestly, I don't know. I know they've been I, I, you know, that's, that's the part of this the academic, academia I don't work with is mm-hmm. working directly with, uh, you know, the people that are accre- accrediting, uh, the universities. So I don't know the process of that, but, um, that would be a great one for Kate spies. If you ever talk to her, okay. she is, uh, the accreditation specialist okay. and she would be able to get, walk you through all of that as far as what her what she intends to see, you know, uh, and how long, and I heard it's not gonna, you know, hopefully take too long, so.
0: Okay, so the students that have already graduated then, then their certificate would be more like a diploma with the accreditation?
1: It's probably gonna move forward once we get the accreditation. Anyone in the school moving forward would receive that, but, you know, past, we couldn't go back because At the time that those students graduated, we were not federally accredited, right? So, yeah, it'll probably more for the future students that come through.
0: Okay. Do you recommend that everyone that's in the cannabis industry should go through an education like CSC offers?
1: Well, you could do it that way or you could take the long route, which took me about eight years. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I do because, uh, like I said, to be able to not only have experts that have been in the industry that are teaching you direct this is like nothing that any of us ever had the ability to have so yeah I mean for the price that that you pay for that and, and the quick amount of time to be honest that you can get through this course and then to have a school be able to provide you with a job um I'm not sure that there's anyone out there that doesn't like that so yeah I do feel like um it's definitely worth it to, to check into getting an education instead of, you know, like I said, you can take your chances and, and try to try to get in through the back doors. But again, when you're walking into any processing, cultivation, dispensary, whatever, without the knowledge and they have to train you from the beginning and, and learn that way versus someone that comes in and understands every aspect of, you know, the dispensary, the, the, the rules, the protocol, and then to understand cannabis and modulating effects, and you know all of those things, who do you think is going to get promoted first? Right. So, yeah, it's definitely worth it, just like any other education. You know, not only that, but I just like to say how much confidence the education you receive gives you out in the world. Right. So, um, we all know a little bit, but to be able to go out and educate others and change that stigma that has been around for so many years and and, and to say it with confidence, knowing that you've been taught by some of the top experts. um, I I think that says a lot. Do you think think it's
0: better to do the brick and mortar side of it or the online classes for students?
1: So that's just a really a choice. Um, The classes themselves uh, are going to be more hands-on when you're talking about brick and mortar And it's really about how you learn, right? So there's some people that they they just online, they're not getting that same um, connection. And so a lot of times it's just easier for them to retain it if they're seeing it hands on. Uh, Other people can take the online courses and retain it like that. So it really is about a choice. Do I feel like there's more to offer at the brick and mortar? Yeah, I mean, we're doing tours you know, we're doing all kinds of things that you just don't have that access to online. Um, but, you know, for now, we're kind of, everybody's uh, going to take some online courses, you know, we're, we're hybrid, I guess what you say, you're going to come in to, to take some of the uh, hands-on courses that should be hands-on. And then some of those courses that, um, you know, more, more about learning all about the endocannabinoid system or some of the medical aspects, they, those can be taught online. You don't need that hands-on experience that you do in like cultivation or extractions or things like that.
0: So when cannabis becomes federally legalized, will the Cleveland School of Cannabis be able to work with actual cannabis instead of just hemp? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's a quick answer. Yes. Okay. Um, so, you know, we, we would probably have to get some kind of licensing right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Once it changes over, I'm sure that, you know, not just everybody can do it. They're going to still have regulations on it, but I do feel like it's going to be a lot more accessible for us. Um, Now, and just remember, uh, there's not a lot of difference between hemp and and, uh, cannabis, except for the THC content. Mm -hmm. Um, Some, you know, some say that hemp doesn't press quite as well as rosin. Um, You know, there's, there's different things out there, but you know, it, it, all extracts the same. It all smells the same. It all looks the same. So, so really being able to show, uh, growing or extracting hemp, um, it's the same, you know, I, I was very surprised to be honest, cause I had not been exposed to hemp, uh, in the past until I started working here and it became legal. Right. And mm-hmm. so we were all able to see it. And I'm like, well, I I just, in my mind, never thought it looked exactly the same. I thought it was smaller buds or you would definitely be able to tell the difference. And when I started seeing it, I'm like, Oh, well, no wonder they're, you know, they're worried about testing and things like that if someone gets stuck because there is no way that, uh, you know, an officer would be able to look at a bag and go, that's hemp or that's cannabis. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things that we can still do with hemp right now that um, really, I don't think it would matter whether it's hemp or cannabis, it would it would pretty much be the same.
0: Do you think hemp is the next billion dollar industry besides cannabis itself?
1: Uh, I think that there are, I yeah, I do think that there, it's in the future, let's just put it that way. It's, we need to have more processors we need to have uh, more industrial hemp processing, not just uh, metabolite processing, so that we can build the farmers and encourage the farmers to grow that type of hemp. Right now, you know, they're jumping in and they're all jumping into CBD, right? The CBD side of things uh, because they don't see the market out there. They don't have the outlets right now. And so once, we start building that up and they have those outlets, you're going to see a lot more people growing. Then you're going to start seeing a lot more products, you know, a lot more things. And then, you know, you've seen the hempcrete, you've seen the different things that hemp can do, but we just need more companies to jump in there and start doing it. So the farmers have an outlet to grow it because they don't want to get stuck with a lot of biomass. And that's Mm -hmm. the main problem right now. There's so much biomass of CBD that it's, We produced enough CBD to give everybody in the United States, 10 milligrams. That's how much CBD is on the market today. Um, And a lot of it's just being stored. No one wants it, they can't process it. We have really overproduced uh, on on that side of things. So yeah, see the industrial side take off.
0: And I mean, we could use hemp for clothing and rope and paper and stuff like that. And it'd be way more sustainable and help the earth with soil regeneration so I think that is super important with um where do you see the cannabis industry going within the next five to ten years Hmm.
1: well um obviously more and more adult use markets right we still need to to get the country um you know legalized completely and I also, and we need to, to, to get the rescheduling, right? Mm-hmm. So those are the two most important things. And if we can get that done, then I could probably give you a lot more answers about where we could take, you know, in five to 10 years where cannabis would be. Um, but if that happens, you know, I think we're going to see just like we see the, the beer and liquor and wine on the market, you're going to start seeing a lot of infused beverages. Infuse this. Just think about being able to go to your grocery store, and, and and buy you know have have an infused section that you could go to you know and be able to not have to worry about extracting your own at home and putting it in your butter and making your you know mm-hmm. it, there would be a frozen section you know that has uh, infusions for those that that want it and and a beverage section. I can see you know all of that. Not just that, but I also, like I said, we were talking about hemp and 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 how we can really um, go green, you know, with the hemp side of things. So I think, you know, when we're talking about climate change and all of the things we need to do on to to clean up our earth, I think that cannabis will play a big part of that. I also think that there is going to be some more regulation once it becomes adult use, just like beer and wine and everything else, because, you know, even though there's never been an overdose of cannabis, and when I say overdose, you know, that means no one has ever died from taking too much cannabis. However, they may have had or experienced some really bad effects, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you don't want to drive um, and, and, and be under the influence, like it feeling like you would be having, you know, way too many beers or or way too much alcohol. Um, so, so there, it, once it becomes adult use, it's definitely going to have to be regulated so that, because there's just like everything else, there's people out there that's going to abuse it and they're going to do things that's going to make the whole industry look bad, right? So we've got to regulate it. So, that it, 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 you know, everybody gets a chance to experience it, but also, you know, we're not killing, we're not, we're not causing car accidents or things like that. Um, but again, at least with cannabis, you know, they're not going to become an alcoholic. Um, they're not going to have, you know, I- I- any of those physical struggles that you would have if you were addicted to opiates. So, um, you know, I think that It's the best of both worlds that you can use it medicinally, use it, uh, as an adult and, or, you know, um, be able to, well, I I guess I want to say, be able to pick and choose, uh, the way that you're using the medicine. Yeah.
0: Do you, um, have any advice for people who are going into the cannabis industry? Yeah. Um,
1: when it comes to you mean like starting your own business type thing or just going into the uh, actually trying to well both okay so I don't want to give away we're going to be doing graduation in a couple weeks and you know I I try to give advice to them so I I don't want to give too much of my speech away (laughs) but um, I definitely tell each one of the students that the first thing after you graduate and when, even when, let's say you're, you know, you start your, your out start job, start joining groups, start going to, you know, some, uh, meetups, events, you know, all those different things, because to be honest, you know, even though cannabis seems huge, it's really a small, it's a small network, right. Of people that we really do uh, network and work together a lot. And so the more that you're in that, that circle, the more you're going to find out about opportunities and, uh, and advancements, right? So stay, uh, try to stay in the cannabis world, whether it be on Facebook or social media or events, like I said, because that, that in itself is how I found out about everything I do was through networking. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't do that, if you go to the school and then you don't follow up with, you know, the networking part and and getting to know the people that you need to know in the industry, you probably, you know, like I said, you're probably not going to get the the best experience that you could. Um, So that's the first piece of advice that I give to those. Uh, The second is, even though you have a degree, never walk into a facility and say that you know everything. Um, Don't act like you're the expert, because that's a big turnoff in the industry. And I've asked a lot of the cultivators um, and processors, you know, like, what do you look for? What, what do you not want to see? And they can't tell you the, how many times people, not just from, I'm not talking about our students, I'm talking about in general, um, how many times people walk in who have, who have been users of cannabis for 20 years and might even been in the black market. So they think they know everything you know, and they, they're in there arguing with management about procedures or protocol. And, and, and it's not, you have to, you have to realize that I'm the director of education. Every week, I, I still go to a church and learn. This is a constantly evolving um, industry. And if you walk in and act like you know everything, uh, you're probably not going to last long. So just always, uh, I encourage always having that mindset of learning. Um, And
0: just fine. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, So with extractions and stuff like that, what do you think is going to be the future? What process of extractions? CO2, and emotions? What is that?
1: So um, nano emulsions is... The the compound or the THC compound, okay, it's it's uh, in general it's like 50 millimeters, it's you know, so it's it's too large to pass through our blood brain barrier, um, and so especially when we're talking about edibles and things like that, it's going to go has to get processed through the liver, okay, um, and then it's going to create you know the uh, delta nine eleven. Uh, so you, which you have heard can be much more intensifying, right? So with nano emulsion, what it does is it breaks down those cannabinoids into such small particles that you no longer have to go through the liver. So now you can have your beverages or your, or your nasal sprays or your gummies or whatever they are. It's, if it's nano emulsified, it goes directly into the blood brain barrier. So now you're not waiting an hour, you're waiting 10 to 15 minutes and you're getting those effects. Your body's bioavailability is immediate, right? So, so that's the biggest thing right now. Um, and I, I know that a lot of companies, especially in the CBD industry and you know a lot of people that are doing edibles are getting to that now. Um, so yeah, I think that the sonic technology, there's now something called sonication that they're, they're working on in um, hydro extractions, which are a combination of the emulsion, but using fresh frozen material. There's so many things now that, um, that are a, they're able to get the bioavailability to a minimum, right? So we can, we can feel those effects and, and be able to receive the treatment immediately and not have to wait an hour. And, and, and that's why a lot of people smoke, right? Because they want that immediate five to 10 minute you know um, onset and they don't get that with uh, edibles. And a lot of people don't want to smoke. So to have that technology come through, I think it's a huge advance.
0: Because then it'll take just the same amount of onset time as smoking for edibles to kick in. That's I- right. And would they still last as long then the edibles five to six hours?
1: They're still, even though it goes into the blood brain barrier quickly, that's not to say that you aren't going to still have some that processes through the liver. So you're still producing that Delta nine eleven. So you're still going to have that longer duration. It's just that the onset is quicker. Um, and then as the time goes on, your body's going to start seeing the other effects of it. So yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, It's still gonna last longer.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you think that um, terpenes should be added into edibles? Like, instead of just um, like a oil extraction or distillate, like they should add extra terpenes? They already do. They do? Mm
1: -hmm. yeah. A lot of people will do the distillation process, um, pull the terpenes and then they'll add all those pins that you see, Mm -hmm. a lot of it is distillate with terpenes added. So they've been doing that forever. Um, do I think it should be cannabis derived terpenes over um, plant- derived terpenes? I, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with plant derived terpenes. It's this again, it's the same chemical. But what's happening is, remember we talked about those unrecognizable terpenes, mm-hmm. right that it's non-detectable. Well, when you're talking about these plant derived, what these companies are doing is, they're doing a plant they're doing an analysis of what that cannabis strain is offering terpene content and then they get that back and then they're like okay we'll put 10 10 percent of this and five percent of this and 0.2 of this but those are only the recognizable terpenes you're not getting the full benefit of what that plant has to offer so there's definitely different modulating effects between the cannabis derived and the, and the plant derived. They're, they both, neither, I, I will never say plant derived is worse. It's not, it's just that the effects are different because for the, for the reason I just explained.
0: Awesome. So yeah, awesome.
1: if they're going to use some use cannabis derived.
0: Okay. I didn't know that a lot of companies used uh, just regular plants, terpenes mm-hmm. instead of the cannabis mm-hmm. terpenes. That's interesting. Yeah.
1: yeah. There's several terpene companies out there that it you'll, you'll know because it, it, cannabis derived terpenes are much more expensive than plant terpenes. So, um, and I don't want to like call out companies on, on social media right now, but maybe I'll tell you afterwards, you know, some of the companies that are, are, are well known for, you know, terpenes and um, they are just plant derived.
0: Do you have any last advice for our listeners out there or anybody else that is thinking about the cannabis industry, but is hesitant about it? Well, first
1: I, I recommend looking to get in your car. Um, that's your first step, you know, see what the industry is all about. Uh, give it a try, you know, go to the dispensaries and, and, and see what, see what products are out there and, and, and see if this is something that, you know, if it, it you've got to really know um, homeopathics and, and, and be kind of focused on that side of things to be able to want to, to, to really go down the road of cannabis. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's an emerging ind- industry. I think that you see, they just added 73 more dispensaries in Ohio. So there's a lot more jobs that are coming to our industry. And I think that at, with the adult use coming, that's gonna double or triple what we see right now. So when it comes to um, working in the cannabis industry, I I feel like um, you're working around a lot of like-minded individuals. You may not have that at, you know, your state job or, you know, other jobs that you're working in. So that's what I like about the cannabis industry. The majority of people that work in the industry love the plant. So we're all, we're all there for the same
0: reason. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me here today, Lisa. That was a great interview. I hope everyone listening was able to learn more about terpenes and extractions and get some insight in the cannabis industry.
1: It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I'm enjoying watching what you're doing here and, and what you're going to be doing in the future. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you right. so much.
0: Goodbye to all the listeners. Bye-bye.